I'm going to be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have no love, I am only a re resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. But there is knowledge, it will pass away. For, not, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Good morning. Thank you, choir, for leading us in, in song this morning, and thank you, Alex, for reading. We want to welcome you to Boiling Springs Baptist Church this morning. We are glad that you are here. We are glad that you have chosen to worship with us. If you are a guest, we welcome you. Our love banquet will take place next Sunday at 6 o'clock in our LEC, in our gym over in the other building. This is in response to our 28 days of love that we've done here in our church. There have been some amazing things that have happened, and so we invite all of you to come next Sunday evening for a time of testimony and sharing of some of the wonderful things God has done in our church and in our community over the last month. We want to take uh, notice of the flowers that are placed in our sanctuary this morning. These flowers are especially special. We want to take just, just a minute to uh, notice and thank Cheryl Daves and Roger Lowe. Many times their, their wonderful uh, leadership often goes overlooked with their piano playing and their organ playing. And so we wanted to place these flowers in, in, in honor of them and the wonderful work that they do for our church and leading in worship. So Cheryl and Roger, we say thank you. We are excited. We are glad that you are here with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church this morning. We would invite all of you to prepare your hearts as we prepare to worship our Lord this morning. Our hymn is number 208, Love Divine, All Love's Excelling, number 208. If you are able, please stand and join with me in singing.
I invite the children to come forward that are not already down here for lesson on the steps. How many of you had used this today? I hope we all did. And how did it make you feel? How did it make your mouth feel? Good, clean, fresh. Well, what do you do when somebody has gone in there ahead of you and got it all over the top and it's squished out? What's it do to you? Mad. Makes you mad, doesn't it? So sometimes you go in there and it's just all messy and stuff like that. Well, toothpaste is sort of like... Glue. Glue. Mmm. Well, that might play into what we're going to do really well. All right. Toothpaste is sort of like words. Pastor Key's going to talk about words today in his sermon. And words, if used right, how do they make you feel? Happy. Happy? They they could make you feel sad. Well, as you're talking and you're saying all these words, where are they going? They're going out, aren't they? Yes. Well, what happens when you get mad at somebody? Bad words come out, don't they? And then what happens when those bad words hurt somebody? You get in trouble. That's true. That's true. But they might make that person be mad. They might hurt that person, can't they? Well, it causes you fight. Yeah, it could cause a fight. But you know what? After you squeezed all those words out and you realized you've hurt somebody's feelings, can you put this back in here? No. No, you can't. So what have those words done? Can't take them back. They've, They've hurt somebody's feelings. And, you know, we sometimes say... I'm sorry, Lila. I wish I hadn't said that. Or, I'm sorry, Mom. I didn't really mean it. And they may say that's okay, but sometimes, you know, those words kind of stick. We can't put them back, because when we do, we have one big mess. So what I want you to do this week is to think about those words. Before you say something that you might regret, before you say words that are hurtful and you don't really want to hurt the person, think about it. Because once they come out of this tube, can't stuff them back in. And I have made a royal mess. I thought you were spilling sad real quick. Yeah, no, I was just squirting. I wasn't, and I can't even get the lid back on it. So let's pray. Dear Lord, This morning as we walk out into the world, this is definitely your day. A day so filled with beauty, gifts from you, Lord. Gifts much as these children are to us, to our families, to our church, to each other. Lord, as we learn to watch our words, to think before we say them, Be with these kids as they are learning to share their love for each other, to be mindful of their actions. 
Lord, this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is your day, and we all, each in our own way, should enjoy it. But most importantly, Lord, we need to say thank you for this gift. It's in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Good morning. During the mission's moment this morning, we're going to talk to you just real quickly about the RAs. It began in 1908. The RAs has a rich heritage of providing missions and education for boys. At the time, the national WMU president, Miss Fanny E.S. Heck, declared, save the boys for their own sakes and for the future of the gospel. RAs and their leaders have been about that task for over a hundred years now. <clears throat> and what would seem like a plug for the Heck Jones offering that's coming up next week, I want to say something real brief about that and what that means to the RAs. Fanny Heck. I always wanted to say, who the heck is Fanny Heck? <laughs> And I don't have time to go through her entire life, but Fanny Heck was born in 1862. She proudly served as the president of the WMU North Carolina for 29 years. Of those 29 years, 15 of those she served as national president. Sally Jones, on the other hand, a little bit younger. In 1886, when Fanny Heck was at the age of 23, she had been asked to be the chairman of the WMU North Carolina, and she suggested that Sally, was 16 at the time, serve as the corresponding secretary of the newly formed Women's Central Committee of Missions. Together, Fanny and Sally caught the vision of what God was wanting to do through this organization, to teach missions, pray for missions, do missions, and support missions. Sally Bailey Jones was corresponding secretary for many years, only briefly taking time out to have a baby. And when Miss Fanny Heck died, Sally became president of WMU North Carolina and served in that capacity for 20 years. She was recognized for 57 years of service. She was elected president emeritus for life and served on the executive committee until her death in 1943. Now, you may want to know why I just shamelessly plugged that. RAs is just one of the missions education organizations that is offered by the WMU. They provide a full line of resources for the RAs and other age level organizations. And that's something that we use every week to try to teach these boys. Through RAs, our boys gain a greater understanding of God's work in the world and how they can join him in his work. RAs also uh, try and teach the kids about the world, how to pray for the world, and how they can be used in today's society. As an ambassador, we can be identified as a messenger or representative, someone who tells or reveals the truth. 
Royal ambassadors seek to share the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. And he's going to read our motto. Ambassadors for Christ not only gives the organization its name, but also gives the boys and leaders a lifestyle goal. Thank you, men. And thank you, Braxton, for sharing with us this morning. Um, I invite you, before we pray, to continue in your own prayers to keep the Hamrick family in your thoughts and prayers as we celebrated the life of uh, Tom Hamrick yesterday. It's a wonderful time to be together, filled with music and scripture and preaching, and um, the family would very much still covet your prayers. Also, be in, the, be in prayer for the family of Martha Green. Martha Green has been at White Oak for some time uh, in declining health and passed away yesterday under hospice care there at White Oak. And be in prayer for her daughters, Judy Green and Winburn Lee and their family as we begin ministering with them and uh, talking about service plans sometime this week. I do not know any details yet. I also just acknowledge um, or just say a word. I appreciate any thoughts and prayers my way as I am struggling with a cold this weekend. And so if you hear me um, squeech or, or my voice goes high real quick or, or I start coughing, uh, please excuse me. But uh, I know many others as well this weekend who maybe some are here and some aren't here today because of, of colds at this time. It seems to be widespread right now. But uh, join me in prayer this morning. <clears throat> Father, we're grateful for a church where youth are involved in service, where children are come, coming on Wednesdays and learning about missions and Lord, how you are working in the world and how they can join you in that. We're grateful for all the ages, Father, here at the church. As we think about our youngest and our newest born here in the sanctuary, or in the, maybe in the nursery this morning, or possibly in the sanctuary, we also think of some of our oldest. And we think of Tom Hamrick, who had a great legacy of faithfulness, not only to you, but to your church. And we're grateful for his life and his time with us. Father, we think of others. Our oldest member is Isabel Stroud, who's 109 there at White Oak. And Father, we ask for your blessings on her this morning. But Father, we're grateful for how you take us at any age, whether we're very young or old, older, and reveal your love to us. And not only do you reveal your love to us, but Father, you want us to be conduits. You want us to be vessels that communicate your love to others. As we have um, sung songs this morning on love, as we've read scripture on love, as we continue to talk about love this Sunday and next, Father, teach us more about what it means to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul and our mind and our strength. Forgive us, Lord, when we aren't very loving with our words and lead us to speak words of love, words that build up and words that affirm others. Father, we're grateful that when we slip and fall, when we say things or do, or do things that aren't very loving, that Lord, that you're there to forgive us. Father, help that not to be permission for us to do that, but Lord, help it to, to lead us back onto the track of speaking words that build others up. Lord, bless those today that are grieving. We pray for the Hamrick family. We pray for the Green family. Lord, we know of others that are just struggling today in many ways, whether it be a physical illness or a cold, or whether it be uh, just relational things, or whether it be decisions that need to be made. So Father, for those that, that need direction this morning, Father, we pray that you would speak to them throughout our service. Lord, bless every song sung, every word spoken. Your word is it's read and preached today. Speak to us, Lord, in ways that we need to be spoken to and help us to be careful to give you the glory for, any, uh, and for all the good things that happened this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Our next hymn is number 545, Love is the Theme, number 545. I invite you, if you are able, to please stand and join me in singing.
us pray. God, we come before you this morning with many thoughts, with many burdens on our hearts. Father, we also come before you this morning with much praise, with many thanks for the wonderful blessings that you have given to so many of us. God, we're grateful for the opportunity to be in your house this morning, to be among friends and family and loved ones, and to be able to worship you freely. God, I pray that at this point in our service that we would be willing and able to give back to you. I pray that we would be willing to give with our money, that we would be willing to give with our time and with our talents and with our efforts. God, may each of us strive to be people who love and who serve you and to love others in our community and in our world. God, we are grateful. We are grateful for the lives that you have given us. I pray that each of us would live as people for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
I'll be reading James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and then Ephesians 4, 29. The word reads as thus. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, for you know that we who teach shall be judged with greater strictness. For we know many, uh, for we all make many mistakes, and if any one makes no mistakes in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body also. If we put bits into the mouths of horses that they may obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Look at the ships also. By strong winds they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is an unrighteous world among us, among our members, staining the whole body, setting a fire in the cycle of nature, and set on fire and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no human being can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, this ought not be... Um, Wait, my brethren, this ought not, once again, take three. My brethren, this ought not to be so. There we go. Um, does a spring pour forth from the same opening from water and brackish? Can a fig tree, my brethren, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. And now Ephesians 4.29. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for edifying as fits the occasion, that it uh, may impart grace to those who hear. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. They've made me feel like a prisoner. we continue an emphasis in what we've called 28 days of love. Uh, this emphasis has involved individuals doing loving things and loving acts, saying loving things to people, just uh, maybe some simple things each day that you've worked into your uh, lifestyle for February. 
Or it may be that you are part of a Sunday school class or a small group that has chosen to adopt a local business and taking them a basket of fruit or crackers or uh, some, some goods. And it's been exciting to see groups each week, not only on Sundays, talking about what they're getting ready to do, but also um, uh, planning you know, for what they're going to do this week, but also seeing what's happening during the week as well with this 28 Days of Love. As I look out over the congregation, as I think about love, uh, I have to just pause for a moment and, and say happy birthday to someone. I know many of you have birthdays um, uh, the last week and this coming week, but I can't help but think of, of Irene Murray. Irene, happy birthday. We're glad that you're here this morning. You and Reed, happy birthday. We hope you feel our love as a congregation this morning as well. So. Uh, the last week or the first week of February, we looked at Love 101. We talked about the basics of love. Last week, we looked at the secrets of a lasting love. We gave out, and I'm glad we had just right, we had 24 roses and we had 24 couples in here who had been married 50 years or more. Wow. And um, Betty and Jean for 70. And uh, Jean, we're glad that you're here this morning as well. Uh, but the next two weeks, this week and next week, we get into the upper level classes of love, uh, if you will. If we started out with Love 101, this would be some advanced course stuff this week and next. Loving with our words. It sounds simple, doesn't it? But I think we all know we can be uh, tempted and we can be tried when it comes to the words that we say. Uh, but next week as well, we're going to look at Love Let's It Go. And this is some serious gradu graduate level loving right here because... Love has the ability to let things go, uh, whereas it would be much easier to hold on to. And um, God's going to help us to, to learn more about how love lets it go this next Sunday and as we prepare for that. But the song that you just heard goes perfect with our theme this morning and with our text, with our scripture memory verse. And I want to ask us to look once again at Ephesians 4.29. This is from the NIV. We read it from the RSV just a moment ago. Uh, the, the scripture verse that you have in your hand is from the NIV as well. And I would encourage you, um, like each week, we'll be getting another one next Sunday. But to put that, I, I, was I was glad to see it this week on somebody's screen door. When I went to visit them, they had a little sticker and they had the, the two scripture verses from the last two weeks right there on their screen door. So they see it when they come in and out of the house. And I thought that's a great idea. But maybe you could put it in your car somewhere, on your bathroom mirror, wherever it may be, but add it to your collection. I have mine that are all wrinkled up on my keychain. Um, but let's say this together. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Ephesians 4, 29. I have a confession to make this morning. It may not be of surprise to many of you, but uh, I hate to disappoint you, but I'm not perfect. I know it's disappointing to some. Um, James 3, 2 reminds us of this. It should be up there as well. It says, all of us often make mistakes, but if a person never makes a mistake in what he says, he is perfect. I think you would agree with me that the words we speak have great power. Like the song said, like the scripture says, they have the power to build up or they have the power to tear down. I'm thankful for Alex and his willingness to read from 1 Corinthians 13 this morning. And at the beginning of 13 chapter, verse one, it says, Paul wrote, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Do you know anyone that when they speak, they are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal? Now, don't elbow your neighbor. Don't do it. 
Um, there's some traditional wisdom about words, about speech, and about the tongue that I want to share with you just three little things quickly this morning. It would be better to leave people wondering why you didn't talk than why you did. When all is said and done, there's a lot more said than done. And the last one, better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> I like that one. I want you this morning to raise your hand if your mouth has ever gotten you in trouble. I'm going to raise mine up high. Everybody's hands should be raised. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you. Um, James 3, 1 through 12 is one of the longest passages of Scripture dealing with the power of words, again, in the Scripture. There's three quick points about this passage that I want to mention. First of all, the mouth directs where we go. The mouth directs where we go. Um, he, uh, James mentions a bit that guides a horse, and then he mentions a rudder. And we know a rudder is, uh, small ships can be steered by a rudder, but even the large vessels out on the ocean have a rudder that guide them. Our mouth, our words, our conversation is like the rudder to our lives. How many, is a, how many of us have said something, and the minute we've said it, we like, I wish I hadn't have said that. Ellen, I love the children's sermon with the toothpaste and trying to put it back in because that happens to you and I more often than not. We say things and then when we get them out, we're like, I don't think that came out quite right. I say that, I do that a lot uh, Sundays during lunch. Um, but we know the direction it's going to take us and we can often feel it. And it's the power of words. Words direct where we go. But words uh, also, are, excuse me, my mouth can destroy what I have. My mouth can destroy what I have. The picture James gives us is it's a fire. And fires are great. I love campfires. I love fires with a family or with a small group. You go out and you sit by a fire and you can roast marshmallows and, and it can provide heat on a cool night if you're camping. But a fire outside of its contained area can be quite dangerous and can be very destructive. We've all seen words and the power that these words have to burn up a job or to burn through a relationship. The power of words. This is why we need to be careful. But my mouth directs where I go. It can destroy what I have. My mouth also displays who I really am. Our words also display who we are. What you are on the inside is shown on the outside by our words. And the picture that James paints for us in James chapter 3, he, he mentions a spring. And he mentions fresh water or a mountain spring. Uh, he mentions a poisonous spring. And you know not to drink there. But here's the problem with our mouths. Good water and poisonous water can come out of the same spring, the same mouth, if you will. We've all seen this. One minute we're saying something and all of a sudden we turn around and we're saying something that is maybe surprises us and maybe certainly surprises those whom we talk to. And the scripture tells us, James tells us, those things shouldn't be. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth and these things should not be. So where, where do we go with this? If we blessing and cursing come from the same mouth, Jesus helps us to understand it a little better. He tells us in Matthew 12, 34, and this almost became your memory verse. And so if you want to jot this one down and, and be mindful of it, you could put this one on there as well. But for the, for, out, for, excuse me, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Jesus tells us for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. So whatever in my heart is going to spill out in my words, it's inevitable. You can try to keep it bottled up, but eventually it spills out into some little phrase, into some little way. I'm convinced that God cares about our words because he cares about the way we love. We talked about the basics of love. Last week we talked about the secrets of a lasting love in, in regards to a relationship. And so this week we look at the fact that words have power and how to love with our words. 
Knowing that we all need a little help in this area, as I think we could all agree on, let's dive into some specific ways that you and I can love people with our words. Rick Warren has shared three ways that we can show others love with our words, and I want to share them with you this morning. The first of which is love people with honest words. Love people with honest words. Jesus was the perfect example of what it means to love people with honest words. We know that Jesus was the greatest example of love that has walked this earth, but yet he spoke honestly with his Pharisees, he spoke honestly with the crowds, and he spoke honestly in conversations with his beloved disciple, John. Thinking about honest words, I don't know if it's been ever said in, in your home or um, whether it's you and your wife, your spouse, or maybe a special friend, but there are times when we speak honest words to one another. And sometimes those aren't always the most enjoyable times, but we do it in relationships. We do it with our children. Sometimes we like, look, mom and dad need to ha speak honestly with you. And we tell them some things. And we do this, why? We do this because we love them. If we didn't love them, we would not speak honestly with them. We would just kind of let things go and array as, as maybe they are going. But because we love them, we have a desire to speak honestly with them. <clears throat> honesty is a good thing. When it comes to Jesus Christ and how he communicated, it is amazing. He had this honesty about him. It wasn't a brutal honesty, but it was just a clear honesty. It was the kind of honesty that changed everybody. You walked away from the conversation different. One time Jesus said to a group of people that he was talking to that were struggling, he said, you bunch of hypocrites. Now that's honest. You have to admit that. He told them what he thought. Another time, one of his very close friends, his friend Peter, uh, one of the disciples, when Peter was struggling, he said, Satan, get behind me because he was thinking so wrongly. Again, tough talk from Jesus. Another time to his disciples, he said, oh, you stubborn, faithless people, how long shall I put up with you? Would you agree that that's an honest conversation, honest statement? Jesus was honest, but in a different way than you and I would be honest. He was responding not out of anger, but out of love. I want to say that it's a lot easier to be nice sometimes than it is to be honest. Do you know what I mean? I think we can all agree on that. Because if we're just nice and we're not always honest, we don't have to go in. We know if we're honest, we're going to be there a while. It kind of takes a while sometimes to be a little more honest in our conversations. We have to talk it through if we're going to be honest. If I'm just nice, then there's not going to be many difficulties. The challenge in what Jesus said, if I want to impact lies, I've got to be lovingly honest. And so how do we do it? How does this honesty thing work in our conversations? Paul had some great instruction in this in Ephesians 4:15. In that verse, he talks about speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. So how does this work? It takes truth and it takes love. It takes both of these things, truth and love. You and I both know people who are more truthful than loving, and we probably also know people who are more loving than truthful. And those people who are more loving and truthful, sometimes we walk away going, I think they were trying to tell me something, but I'm not exactly sure exactly what they were trying to tell me. It's like they wanted to say something, but they couldn't quite get it out because it was so sweet and sticky. Uh, it was just nice. And so we're left kind of baffled there. Um, but it can become dangerous if we are just speaking truth and we're not doing it in love. And it also can become dangerous if we're just speaking love and we're never being honest about things that we need to be honest about. Another great verse in reference to speaking honest words is Proverbs 27.5. Solomon wrote, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. 
I, I don't know about you, but I love to be around people that flatter us, you know, that say great things about us. I mean, that, that's always a good thing that will tell us good things that make us feel good inside. But when push comes to shove in those intimate relationships and those really close friendships, true friendships, we want honest words. We all need people in our lives who will speak the truth in love to us, as painful as that may be sometimes. Honest words have to start with honesty in my own heart. If I'm trying to be honest with other people, I've got to first be honest with myself. And sometimes that can be difficult. So we love people with honest words, but we also love people with careful words. We also love people with careful words. Careful because words are powerful and all of us in the room know the impact of the wrong words. We've all been there. Some of us live there, unfortunately. Uh, these, are, uh, <laughs> these are three ways, three areas that I think are, need to be mentioned this morning when it comes to being careful with our words. And the first one is when it comes to anger, is when it comes to anger. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this, in your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anger in communication can really mess things up sometimes. I think we could all agree with that. One of the illustrations that I used to share with youth and with children, I can't remember if I've done it here yet or not, but I would take a soda can or a soda bottle and we'd, we would sit in a circle and I would tell everybody in the circle, I want you to pass this on the floor, you know, quite quickly to somebody across the circle from you. Again, the soda can or soda bottle. And I want you to tell the circle, tell everybody in the group something that makes you mad, something that makes you angry. I've done this on mission trips sometimes and it's been quite revealing uh, in the context of the mission trip that I was on. But uh, I remember doing this in, in inner city Atlanta one time with, with a group of kids. Uh, but they would take the bottle and they would tell what's angry and they would, throw it, they would throw it across the floor to somebody else. And then they would get, take the bottle and shake it up a little bit if they wanted to. And they would toss it across the, to the circle to somebody else and tell, tell them you know, what, what made them angry. And the point of the illustration was at the end of, or the activity was at the end of it, I would say if we're not careful and I would open that can, pop the top on it or pop the top of that bottle and it was great if I was outside or I'd have to clean up a big mess if I didn't, if I didn't plan ahead on that. But, um, you know, if, if, if we're not careful, our anger can be a lot like that soda bottle. We let it build up. We let it build up. We let it build up. And the point of the story is we've got to let it out. We've got to tell people the things that make us angry or else we're going to be a lot like that soda bottle. One day we're just going to explode and it's going to be like an ammunitions dump. We're going to start shooting at everybody around us uh, because we're so angry. And some of us have been there before. Some of us can relate to the idea of the exploding soda bottle because we've been there. I've often, well, I've been there a few times with my dog over the last six months, for some of you that know me about that. But what's really sad is like this verse says, when this happens, the devil is the one who wins. He is the one that gets the foothold. So how do we not give the devil a foothold or an opportunity when you get angry? It tells us clearly, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. If this is the case, I know some couples who haven't slept in a long time. <laughs> I wish this could always be true, but sometimes we go to bed mad. I think the point in the text is the fact that we don't always have to deal with it immediately, nor do we to deal with it immediately. But what we may need to do is go take a walk or a drive, or maybe you don't want to take a drive if you're mad. That might be a bad thing. You maybe, maybe you don't need to be on the road then. But we need to do something. We need to go walk around the house. We need to go, go do something away from the situation to cool down for a few minutes because you and I have lived long enough to remember situations where we spoke very hastily, we spoke very quickly in the midst of our anger, and we lived to regret it. It was like that toothpaste. We wish we could stick it back in the bottle, and we couldn't do it. Bible doesn't say you have to solve it immediately. Again, sometimes, like I said, you need to, to, to find that path, uh, whatever it is, to help you release that anger. 
Will Rogers had something to say about our words. Good old Will Rogers. He said, be careful of the words you say. Keep them soft and sweet. You never know from day to day which ones you'll have to eat. Have you heard that? And then a a poet uh, by the name of Ogden Nash says, to keep your marriage brimming with love in a loving cup. Whenever you are wrong, admit it. And whenever you are right, shut up. (laughs) Another area that we need to be careful in when it comes to being careful with our words is the area of gossip. Now, growing up, I knew that gossip was a sin, but as I uh, study the word and look to it a little more, there are some bold scriptures uh, that speak to the fact that, excuse me, that gossip is put up right up there with, at times, sexual immorality and murder. And you and I have probably, again, lived long enough to see how gossip can destroy both friendships and relationships. A lot of times we see it um, in middle school and high school and college years, but unfortunately, we still see it at times as adults. And unfortunately, I've also seen what it can do in the church. And this is something that we need to be mindful of as well. But not only is anger and gossip, we need to be careful in those two ways. The last one is we need to be careful with just not saying too much. This is one that I have certainly been guilty of at times. I I don't need an amen from that. Um, But sometimes I'm guilty of all these, not intentionally, but the one I really struggle with sometimes, again, is saying or speaking too much. Words are dangerous and saying too much can get us in trouble. Proverbs 21, 23 says, watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. Watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. Proverbs 17, 28 is a great verse. Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. When they keep their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. As we're we're talking about talking less, I don't want to confuse this with personalities as well. Some personalities are more introverted. Some are more extroverted. Some of you think, I've got this one. I never say anything to anybody, so I, I don't have to worry about this. I'm an introvert. I don't talk much. It may be that you need to talk a little more and let us know how you're feeling about things. But the opposite may also be true. For those who, of us who tend to talk a lot, it may be that we need to back off a little bit and not stick our foot in our mouth so much. If you really love somebody, you'll figure out this, their style of communication. There are some that I know I don't need to go in like I've been shot out of a cannon and start talking, talking, talking because they're not going to respond well to that. And so we need to kind of, it's, it's helpful to build those relationships and know how we need to communicate with certain people. But the thing is, we need to let all communication breathe life into relationships. We do that by loving people with honest words, with careful words, and the last one is we love people with building words. This is where today's memory verse comes in. Ephesians 4.29 again says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So let's ask ourselves the question, are my words building? Are they building other people up according to their needs? Words can build up and words can tear down. Words can build up a marriage relationship or they can tear down a marriage relationship. Words can build a child's self-esteem or they can certainly tear down a child's self-esteem. Words can build a relationship with a coworker, build up a relationship with a coworker, or they can tear down a relationship with a coworker. This verse also talks about don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. And when I think about that, when you think about that, we think about swear words. We think about words that we know are, are inappropriate. There were words that we use that just simply aren't helpful. They may not be swear words, but they may not be the words that build up. In fact, you can take almost any word and begin to use it in a conversation or relationship as a trigger word, and it's just simply not helpful. 
The biggest thing that we have to do in this area is think before we speak. And some of you have heard this. I talked to someone just before the service today and um, I saw where they had on their phone this THINK acronym. And some of you have seen it, some of you have used it, uh, but if you haven't, I thought I would mention it this morning. If you you take each letter of the word THINK and you start with T and ask, is it truthful? It's truthful. Is what I'm about to say truthful? Is it going to be gossip? Is it going to be hearsay? Is it something I don't know the facts on? But is what I'm about to say truthful? Is it the whole truth and nothing but the truth? H, is it helpful? Is it going to help or is it going to harm the person, what I'm about to say? Is what I'm about to say truthful? Is what I'm about to say helpful? Is it inspirational? Is it going to build up or is it going to tear down? Is it going to give people hope and encourage them or make them want to move forward in their life? Is what I'm about to say inspirational? The end, we can ask, is it necessary? Some things aren't necessarily wrong to say. There's nothing wrong with with saying certain things. They're just simply not necessary. I've had to learn this as a teacher and as a pastor that sometimes what I was going to say is, is okay to say, but I've had to ask myself, was it necessary to say? In the K, in the last, the last letter of the word think, is it kind? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 that Alex read earlier says, love is patient and love is kind. So think before we speak. I want to conclude with a uh, illustration. <clears throat> I'd like to title it uh, an investment of our words. And think about it this way. If uh, we could look back on our week and there was some way we could look at every word that we spoke this week, which is kind of scary to do, um, but if we could do that and if we could deposit in an account $100 for every build up, every, every word that we said that was building others up, or if we wanted to take out $100 for words that were not positive, words that were tearing other people down, Would you be ahead or behind right now when you look back at your week when it comes to the investment of your words from this last week? Would we be ahead or would we be behind? Our finances, uh, they're they're just uh, going to last as long as we are on this earth, unfortunately. But our words, Matthew, Jesus says in, in Matthew 12, 36, that we will be called to account for every careless word spoken. That's how the investment of your words are going to last, not only in people's lives, but all the way into eternity. It's how powerful words are. I think we all need God's help with our words. I think we can all agree with that. So I'd like to end our time together this morning, the sermon this morning with a prayer, asking for God's help. Now, I don't have the words for this on the screen, but I'm going to read a prayer very slowly. And uh, if this is your spirit, uh, if you agree with these words and you may want to use these exact words or maybe uh, use some others as I read this slowly, I invite you to pray this prayer in your heart with me this morning as well. But let's agree together as a church, as we seek to love more as individuals and as a community, as we seek to live out the rest of these 28 days of love with some practical acts, both individually and corporately as a group, uh, to be more loving with our words. Let's pray together. Lord, I acknowledge that I don't always honor you with my tongue. Help me with my words this week. I'm trusting you to guide my words, and I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for your strength. Jesus, guide me into honest words, honest words of love. Guide me into careful words of love. And guide me into building words of love. 
I'm asking for your help because I know that you love me. I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you desire prayer, I'd be happy to, to pray with you here at the altar. If you need to talk about a commitment to the Lord, I would be happy to talk with you about that as well. If you desire church membership, I would love to speak with you about that. And we would um, uh, come to uh, uh, an understanding there of, of what it means to, to join a local church and follow Christ. If you need to talk with me about baptism, we'd love to talk with you about that as well. Let's stand and let the Lord um, lead us as we sing number four, To God Be the Glory. Let's stand and sing together. house today. I just want to remind you that next Sunday night we do have a love banquet and we hope you will sign up for that. You can do that today not only with the bulletin tab, it may be a little late for that, but you can call the office or do that on the, on the uh, wall outside of my office there in the office hall there. Uh, so please if you, if you can sign up today do that or you may want to call the office but we hope you can be here next Sunday night for that special time. The choir is going to close us today uh, with our benediction and the, well the choir is going to lead the congregation in the benediction. So let's sing together.